Hello, and welcome to For the Journey, a podcast offering formation and inspiration to Christians longing for more of God in their lives and in the world. For the Journey is presented by Coracle, a ministry committed to inspiring and enabling people to be the presence of God in the brokenness of the world through spiritual formation for kingdom action. We want to help you grow deeper in your relationship with God so that you can go further into the world with God's loving, healing, redeeming power. For the Journey is a space where each week we hope to help you encounter God and live a more integrated life of faith in the world by offering a regular rhythm of reflections, guided spiritual practices, thoughtful conversations, and more. This week, we share a sermon offered by Bill Haley during a Lessons and Carol service back in 2012. After recounting the soaring story of God's promised redemption of the world throughout the Old Testament, Bill dwells on the faith-filled and heroic human experience of teenage Mary as she accepts God's invitation to bear his son at great personal risk. Here's Bill. Good morning. We sure do love this season of Advent and Christmas, don't we? There's so much that's familiar and beloved, comforting and joyful. There's the lights and the decorations, Christmas trees, Christmas treats, gifts, fun parties with good friends, special moments with our families, many fond memories and many memories made each year. And we love this service of lessons and carols, don't we? It's gorgeous. Just singing the old songs together, many whose lines are lodged in our hearts since childhood, we can sing them without having to look at the words. And hearing new songs, too. And we hear God's Word read, the whole story at 50,000 feet. God made a good world and beautiful people. But that world was broken by our own hand, and evil enters in. So God enters in as well through Jesus to fix the world and to fix us too. It's striking in these readings this morning just how much sadness and hope are interwoven, how much joy is alongside the pain. Like in the Genesis reading where Satan wears snakeskin and evil slides along the earth. But that's not the end of the chapter and it's not the end of the story. The chapter goes on to speak of hope and promise, a Savior who will come. The Isaiah readings include prophecies of peace and justice that will come with the birth of God's Son. But did you hear it this morning? It's in the context of oppressors and battle tumult and boots, and tramping warriors. The gospel reading from John 1 is all about light, but it's also a lot about darkness. I love the Bible because it is neither utopian nor is it Pollyanna. Rather, it's about a real God who comes into a real world that is really and tragically broken. Nine days ago, we were reminded of this And one of the first and best reactions came from the governor who simply said that afternoon, evil visited our community today. Do you remember him saying that? 
And we all nodded. And our whole country nodded. And in nodding, we affirmed that evil can inhabit flesh. And my heart cried out, can we also believe that love can take on flesh? Do you see there is a bright contrast to this incarnate darkness? And it is the brilliance of incarnate love. That's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. Hmm? For unto you this day is born in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. That's what we're here this morning to affirm and to ponder and fundamentally to celebrate. Amen? Christmas is about the God who comes. The God who takes on human flesh. God with our skin. Emmanuel. God with us. Jesus Christ, incarnate love. 125 years ago, Christina Rossetti put it into a poem. Here's the first part. Love came down at Christmas. Love all lovely, love divine. Love was born at Christmas. Star and angels gave the sign. Worship we the Godhead. Love incarnate. Love divine. These past few weeks we've been, of Advent, we've been looking at the characters that we find in the Bible's Christmas story, all of whom are waiting. Elizabeth and Zechariah, Simeon and Anna, Joseph, and today Mary. She's a young teenaged girl, maybe 13, maybe 16, maybe something in between. She was a virgin. And yet, by the Holy Spirit, <clears throat> she conceived a child, and she gave birth to Jesus. Mary is beautiful. She's been called the first disciple, been called the first evangelist, the first Christian. She's strong, but not hard. She's courageous, but not without fear. She's full of faith. She's full of the Scripture. She's humble, but she's not weak. She's absolutely approachable, but she's not mild. And often she's lost, either painted over with a saccharine unrealism or left unexplored. Like her son, her humanness, who she was as a real person, is easily obscured or ignored. So I very much appreciate Scott McKnight's book, The Real Mary. McKnight's a prolific and leading evangelical theologian from Chicago who helped me appreciate two things about Mary that I'd never really thought much about. And the first one is how much danger she would have been putting herself in by taking on the perception that she had committed adultery. Such would have led her to not only be ostracized and shunned from her community, but it even could have put her under a death sentence under Jewish law at the time. She was courageous. And Joseph, who we heard about last week, gets immense credit for standing with her. Her faith required his faith. Second thing I'd not thought about that McKnight draws out really well is how revolutionary Mary's song is. You know the Magnificat found in Luke chapter 1 and how it would have been revolutionary in the context of the rulers of her day. 
Herod and Caesar Augustus. The Magnificat is beautiful, but it is not syrup. It is a direct challenge to the economic realities and the political realities of first century Israel under Roman occupation. It was a song of subversion. And it would have been heard as a threat to the existing structures of her day. And can even be heard that way in our day too. In the 1980s, the government of Guatemala, I'm sorry, of Guatemala even banned the public recitation of Mary's Magnificat. They got the point that Jesus comes to change things and that God cares about those who are, who are on the sides. Mary was strong and she was brave and she's got a lot for each one of us. Whether you're a young person looking at the rest of your life, she's got a ton to say to you if you're a teenager, right? Or maybe if you're in middle-aged, not able to understand everything about life, or if you're passionate about God, passionate about justice, she's got a ton to say to parents who love their children and who ache. And if you've ever felt like a sword pierced your soul, Mary did too. Most of us live with a sense that God's not done with us yet. That there's promises that he's made to us that we haven't seen fulfilled. Hopes that aren't yet realized. And, and most of us, though we're committed to Christ, feel that we don't yet have the whole picture, right? Mary teaches us what to do when we don't know. When life is more not yet than already. First, we ponder. Three times in these first two chapters of Luke, and I put the text for these references in your sermon notes, three times in these first two chapters, we see Mary's response to the events that surrounding her, that her response is to discern, to treasure in her heart the words and events, and to ponder them. You get the impression of someone who's, who's not talking much, but thinking much and praying much and letting coherence emerge as opposed to forcing clarity on what it all means. One writer describes this action as, quote, Mary's deliberating in order to comprehend the divine plan that was now at work. When we're waiting for God in our life, one of the hardest and yet most important things that we can do is to wait until what God is doing becomes clear and not try to grab the few pieces of the puzzle that we've got and try to make a complete picture out of them. We pray, we pay attention, we watch, and we trust that God is in control and that he's good. Second, when we're waiting, we keep our focus on God who he is, and what he's done. Mary's song in Luke chapter 1 is dramatically not about her. Have you noticed that in reading of it? Maybe this week as you can open that up and read it, you'll see it's all about God, actually. He's the actor. He's the one on whom we put our hope. When we are waiting, we keep our focus on God. And third, when we're waiting, we say yes to God. Even and especially 
perhaps, when we don't understand what's going on. This is the powerful response that Mary offered when the angel Gabriel told her things that were literally out of this world. She said, Behold, I am a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Let it be to me. Whatever my God is doing, yes, let it be to me. Um, the Falls Church Anglican's own David Gustafson here this morning um, in his book on Mary points to this moment as one of the critical points of salvation history. It was, and I quote, a monumental decision that puts her in a class with Abraham. Especially if you're a teenager. Do you realize that some of your choices and decisions to follow Christ can put you also in a class with Abraham? When we don't know what God is doing, he's doing something. And our best response is, behold, Lord, I'm your servant. I'm your son. I'm your daughter. Yes, to you, be it done to me. There's something else about Mary. One more thing. Over the centuries, she's been given the name in Greek, Theotokos. It literally means God-bearer. It's like our English name, Christopher, which I think is one of the coolest names we've got to offer. Christopher, in Greek, it means literally one who bears Christ, Christ-bearer. One through whom Christ comes into the world. And this is where Mary offers us the deepest response to a world that is broken and full of hurt. We too are called and invited to be those through whom Christ comes into the world now, to be Christ bearers. In response to Jesus, incarnate love, in a world where evil still stalks, we are called to incarnate love. We change the adjective into a verb. And that gives us our deepest callings as followers of Jesus of Nazareth, our deepest response to the Messiah who was born in Bethlehem 2,000 years ago. Incarnate love compels us to incarnate love so that Christ can still be seen and so that the world can still hear this good news that we received once again this morning. We heard the first half of Christina Rossetti's poem. Here's the second half, where she asks, how do we respond to incarnate love, to love divine? She says, love shall be our token, love shall be yours, love be mine, love to God and all men, love for plea and gift and sign. Friends, the best thing that we can bring to God this Christmas is our yes. And to be those who keep bringing Jesus into the world. Love came down at Christmas time indeed. And still comes. 
So once again, O Lord, we ask that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit so that more and more we can become like your Son, Jesus, so that more and more people can see him and receive the hope that he is. We ask this, this Christmas time. Thanks so much for listening to For the Journey. We hope you'll join us again next week. And in the meantime, you can explore past episodes and see what we're up to at inthecoracle.org and on social media at inthecoracle. If you were blessed by what you just heard, please subscribe as we'll be releasing new episodes each week. Please also feel free to rate and review the show and share this episode around with others who might be blessed by it. For the Journey is made possible by the generous support of our Coracle partners, the wonderful men and women who choose to support this ministry through their prayers and financial gifts. If you're one of our partners and are listening, we are so grateful for you. If you would like to join us as a sustaining partner, you can set up a monthly donation of any amount at inthecoracle.org support. The link is in the show notes. Our growing community of partners gets access to tailor-made resources, gifts, and events, and we would love for you to be a part of that. Our theme song is Mystery Hymn from our friends at Lowland Hum. Please give them a listen wherever you get your music. And so, friends, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all. Amen, and we will see you on the journey. Let me spin.